Welcome to Men in This Town, the podcast. I'm Giuseppe Santamaria, and for over a decade, I've been photographing men's street style in various towns around the world, looking for those whose dress sense speak volumes about who they are. In this podcast, I take a closer look at those men by bringing them into the studio for a portrait and having a chat about their particular approach to the many facets of life. In this episode, I welcome Mark Campbell to the studio, a man whose creativity has taken him from the big screen down to the printed page and everywhere in between. Currently the creative director and publisher at HarperCollins Australia, Mark had learned to navigate his skills by being an eager learner, always willing to try new things. Whether it was dyeing his hair bleach blonde as a teen or jumping into a major film production straight out of school. It's these questionable and amazing experiences that kept him curious about life and wanting to find what other creative tools were out there for him to try. Head over to meninthistown.com to view selects from our portrait session. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the conversation that took place. Nice. All right. All right, Mark. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. We're recording. Um, yeah, that should be fine. Uh, we'll start off with just kind of introducing yourself, your name, age, and what you do for a living. Uh, my name is Mark Campbell. I'm 40 years old, which seems... 40? I, I just know. turned 40. <laughs> it's very confronting. Let's Josh is turning 40 this year. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'll, yeah, let's not talk about it too much. But no, look, I'm fine with turning 40. So I'm 40. I just turned 40. Um, and I am the creative director at HarperCollins, Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and also, as of two months ago, a publisher as well. So I've just very started exciting. a list. Yeah, very exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. We'll get it's into that. Yeah, it's a lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to begin with, what was life growing up for you? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Melbourne. So I spent all of my childhood down there. I didn't move to Sydney till I was till 2000. So yeah, born and bred Melbourne boy in the city. Well, not in the city, but in the suburbs. So mm. a suburban Melbourne boy. But my um, my dad's a Melbourne person as well. He's like a real, he loves Melbourne. Um, and uh, yeah, I do too. But, you know, I've been in Sydney many years and I've been here a few times. So that's where I grew up. You're a creative type. You would think Melbourne would be still a place like you'd want to stay. Yeah. I do want to go back. You <laughs> do want to go back? I do want to go back. Yeah, look, don't get me wrong. I mean, if my job existed in Melbourne, maybe yeah, I would right. do it. Yeah, I do. And look, there are good bits and bad bits about Melbourne and Sydney. It's not, you know, that's a conversation that you can go on forever mm. about the two. But I, um, yeah, it is a great city to be a creative in and a lot of creative friends are still down there. And there are publishing jobs, creative publishing jobs, just not this one. Mm. So, yeah. How was it like growing up with creativity in Melbourne, did you have your outlets to kind of do and explore things you wanted to? Yeah, oh, that's a good question. I mean, not maybe when I was, look, I guess like any kid who grows up in a relatively big city, you have more things you can do than if you grow up in the country. So my family are relatively interested in the arts. So, you know, we saw a lot of theater. We went, my dad loves the opera and we would go to see, you know, go and see concerts with the symphony orchestra. Um, musicals, all that sort of stuff. And we weren't really like a family that went to the gallery. I mean, I do that a lot now. My, it's not that they don't like art, but they appreciate like performance, I guess, mm -hmm. more. So we did a lot of that. And I, But I don't think it was till maybe I got older and then late high school and I went to a high school in the city. So then from there, I think my eyes were open to kind of creativity because it was 
not in the suburbs. It was like close to the city. So I, you know, just saw a lot more and experienced a lot more and lived like a much more of like a city kid, high school life, doing all the good and bad things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are some of the good things? <laughs> oh, good things. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. I did a lot of music and I did a lot of design and uh, art and that sort of stuff. Um, and I was, I've always been interested in fashion and clothing, um, made some bad choices myself, but Hopefully I'm on a better path now, <laughs> but yeah. What so are some of those bad choices? We all have. Them. Oh my God. And if, if my friends ever listen to this, they will know exactly. Oh, I don't, that's just, I mean, bad hairstyles. Yeah. I did a lot of dyeing my hair, you know, like in late high school and early university, how you, I have dark hair. I'm half Chinese. So I dyed my hair blonde many times that I, and that, that I shouldn't have. And my dad even helped me dye my hair oh, once. Really? Yeah. I forced him to do it. My mom refused. My dad did it with me once. Uh, so bad hairstyles and just, you know, you, I think if you're interested in fashion, you, especially in your twenties, you make, you try a lot of different things oh, yeah. that aren't your look until you find your look. And then you're kind of like, Oh, okay, I think this is good. People seem to be responding to it better. And I feel more comfortable in it. Uh, you're just looking at celebrities and trying outfits and being like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean look with, <laughs> and then friends are like, absolutely not. Long hair as well. I had longer hair and <laughs> yeah. it was, it, it kind of goes curlier when it gets longer. I even did eye mascara and I would wear shirts that were kind of pirate. Like why? I don't know why, like not piratey shirts, but just like, yeah, there was that look <laughs> when the first Pirates of the Caribbean look came out. And my friend of mine, she still reminds me of it. She's like, remember when you did that Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean look and you looked, you know, she's like, it was not working for you. <laughs> and it wasn't way. a costume party. <laughs> it was not. Yeah, exactly. Sadly, sadly not a costume party. I think we party. all need those times where it's kind yes. of just... Or else, how do you do? How do you find it? Other, so, yeah. You know, it's like you just stay kind of plain, and you know, you don't express yourself. Some that people much. don't do that, and it, I, uh, yeah, some people have their uniform, and they or, mm. uh, and they don't take risks. I'm not. I don't think there's any good way or bad way to do that. I think it's just depending on you if you like to take risks and try new things. Um, but you can always rely on your friends to tell you when <laughs> it's not right. So it depends if you want to express yourself through fashion. You know, yeah. other people express exactly. themselves in other ways. So. Yeah, exactly. So, so where did it kind of lead to in? what your style is now. What do you, how would you describe your style now? Uh, Ooh, good question. I would describe my style as I, uh, I like, I like a lot of basics. I, I like, but I also like, so I would say, you know, when I say basics, I would like stuff from Muji or from Uniqlo mm. that, um, or, you know, other sort of, or, or cause or something like that, like basics from there that are kind of quality and nicely designed but then I like to supplement it with fancy things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like a pair of Prada shoes, a jack, like a cray green jacket, or I still think I stick with things that I think are quite classic, but sometimes they're a little bit wild. And I do also like sportswear. So I do mm -hmm. have a thing for like Nike and Adidas sort of stuff. And I'll work that into like, but normally the streetwear components and I'll work it in like a piece or two. But I guess I feel like that sums it up. It might be like, I'm really into like Japanese workwear and that kind mm. of look Love in the that. last few years. Yeah, that kind of that kind that kind of those kind of silhouettes, but then meets maybe like something a bit more streetwear, sportswear. It'd be like halfway in between that. I'd totally. Say. And yeah. where do you find that inspiration? Do you think? I mean, it's not Tra Johnny Depp anymore. It's, so. no. <laughs> it's a lot of travel. I mean, it's travel, a weird thing yeah. to be saying that now when we can't travel, but yeah. I think travel influences a lot of that. And definitely like, you know, Instagram, social media, looking mm. at what people are wearing, how they're wearing it. 
I like looking at that. I do spend a lot of time like window shopping online, looking at pieces, and, you know, and, and a lot of time of not just the piece itself, but then seeing someone wearing it, like, and then working out the proportions of it, whether you think, I think when you get to 40, you know your body shape. And so then you can look at someone wearing it and be like, that's not my body shape. It's not going to, it's not going <laughs> to yeah. hang on me that the same way. But then, then when you see things, you're like, I think that will work, you know, on my, on my frame or, you know, my body. So I've gotten better at that. I think. And I think when you, it's, you strip it down more and more and you get to those basics as you are now. And it's like, yeah. you just don't need to kind of experiment as much necessarily. No. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I should preface it by saying I don't, I'm not just buying Craig green jackets and Prada shoes all the time. <laughs> I have a few and I love them and I, but I'm very discerning and in, in when I would spend that sort of outrageous money on something and when it's worth it, I think. Uh, and something that you think, and some of the things I've had for like 10 years and you're like, I've got my money's worth. That was yeah, great. Yeah. It was totally worth it. Love that. What are you wearing right now? Uh, well, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm wearing, it's interesting. I feel like I'm, and this is a really stereotypical outfit of mine. I'm wearing, I would wear this to work. Um, the trousers are from Uniqlo, but they're this great, they, you know, when they do that Uniqlo U range. Yeah. Yeah. This, they did this kind of these trousers that are like wide fisherman's trousers and they only mm. did them in like three colors and then they stopped doing them and I wish they did more of them, but I love them. So they're like, it's a, a stock up when you find something. <laughs> I, I, I actually wore them for a little while. And then I realized that I was like, these are a good fit. These are nice. And people were like, that's a great, that's an interesting silhouette. And then I went back and they're all gone because everyone else caught <laughs> yeah. onto it. So there's like a 10 pair of those. I'm wearing a shirt from, uh, from Muji, a short sleeve linen shirt, like a stripe pinstripe linen shirt. And I'm wearing a cap, a, um, I think it's a Saturday's NYC cap, but again, it's kind of uniform. Yeah. I like it because it's like nondescript gray. Uh, and I'm wearing this jacket is like a favorite of mine from for the last year. It's kind of it's like a I guess you what color call blue would you call that? Giuseppe? I would call it almost exactly Bill Cunningham blue. <laughs> and it's, I'll take that. <laughs> it's, it's like 100 percent for me. So, yeah, I feel like it's that French. It's not as like that Navy French, but it's that that, that really like mid blue, like piercing blue workwear yes and it's yes when i saw it online it's from nikobok and you nyc which is is, it yeah yeah, and i love Love their stuff their story's great Mm. and i saw it online like it just came into i think in when i sponsored things you know when you get it i got it recommended and i was like what is that jacket yeah that's a bill cunningham jacket and if i can own something and i can replicate bill cunningham in some way (laughs) and i'll wear it till i die then this is it it has meaning there like personal meaning to you yeah and every time i wear it at work or somewhere people are like Oh, it's like a Bill Cunningham jacket. Mm. And I was like, yes. <laughs> love that. Yeah. I've been looking at, I've been looking for a fleece, another fleece, because I have this pink or wool one. But um, Drake's um, in the UK have this cobalt blue, cobalt. I guess. That's, that's what you'd call it. That's a good description. Yeah. Of this, that color. And it just, it's so bright. And in so, a fleece. In a fleece. But you, it's so expensive. It's <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> just like, do I get it? Do I not? It's like, and you're buying it just because the color is so like. Yeah, and it's like this yeah. pink has like served me well. I yeah. love the pink. Yeah, and it's like if I'm doing pink, I could do blue. So it's, but I'm still not sure about the price. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's looking. I, you, I, yeah, exactly. I will stare at things and I will bookmark yeah. things for months, hoping that they go to like fifty percent on sale and then buy it immediately. Yes. Like click on the button and buy it, and you miss out if you do that. But. You have to be okay with that. And the best thing, though, about living in Australia and looking at those overseas brands is that their winter stock does go on sale perfectly timed just, with us. Just so in time. I've bought many that's things. That's an yeah. advantage yeah. there. The Craig Green jacket was the same. I was like, I looked at it for so long and my friend 
has heaps of Craig Green and he was like, just buy it. It's a great And I was like, not for that price. I know. I mean, I think his work is amazing, but I was like, I can't afford it. And then luckily it went on sale just in time for Melbourne winter. And I was like, mm. it's a sign. <laughs> it's a it. sign. Yeah. That's yeah. a good way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, it's a sign. Yeah, exactly. It's a sign, not for your credit card, but for you. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. So going back a little bit on um, from your creative work and kind of um, once you were af- done school in high school, what kind of path did you think you were going to kind of go into to kind of explore creativity? Straight out of school? Yeah. High school? Ooh. I mean, up until like year nine or year 10, I think I thought I was going to be an architect. And, right. I, and I wanted to be an architect and I would still love to be an architect, but I'm, that's not going to happen. Did and you I, draw yeah, and I did yeah. gra- I did graphic design, which was that the one that you did if you wanted to do architecture because it's the more technical one compared mm-hmm. to art. So it was a lot of using your set square and your ruler and your right. um, and your scale ruler and metal rules and model making and all that sort of stuff that's really you know and drawing plans by hand. So a lot of that l- you would think would lead to architecture. It's just that I didn't love maths and physics, oh and that's God, kind of a yeah. prerequisite. And my dad <laughs> is really big into maths and physics, and I think he was trying to get me on board and I just couldn't get it. And so then I think I realized that architecture wasn't going to be for me, even though it's this really weird thing where I get, I ended up getting a great score for my, um, uh, you know, your, your, the score that you finish high school and actually would have got me into architecture, but they wouldn't have let me in because I didn't do the prerequisite subjects. So anyway, so then I think then it was like, well, what career do you make of being artistic or in design? Like, what does that lead to and what course do you do? And I think I ended up, that's how I kind of ended up into theater and, and in going into design in theater. So, right. which sounds really weird, but I think I got into theater really late in high school. I'd always done music. I got into theater really late. And then, um, I, then I did a theater degree straight out of university first in the States for a little bit and then back here. Um, and then, and then I kind of pivoted into like theater design from there. So right. it's all kind of in the same world, I guess. But where'd you study? Uh, in, in the States, I was at Kansas university for a semester doing theater. Then I came back and I was at Monash in Melbourne and I did a year of theater down there. And then I think I just realized that maybe, well, I didn't, the course wasn't really what I expected it to be. And then maybe I sort of thought I could use my design skills somehow because I was performing there and I thought I'm not using the design skills that I have and that I have in my head. Mm. Um, so then I got into design at NIDA. And so then I did, that was my degree that I did fully through. Um, and that's a theater and film, mostly theater, but a theater design degree where you study set and costume design yeah, yeah. essentially for three years intensively. So what was your first job out of the school then? Oh, uh, <laughs> my first job actually out of NIDA, it was really lucky because my first job was with Baz Luhrmann on, um, uh, on, well, originally it was when he and his company were going to do Alexander the Great. Uh, and then that didn't happen, but that was the first job I got out. Even in the end of third year, I was working on that sort of on weekends or. That's a big thing to it's kind a of get into. Big, in yeah. And <laughs> so uh, f- uh, me and one other friend in the, in the degree got that, we got that opportunity um, to work on that. And I think everyone else was like, well, I don't, can't speak for them, but I'm still friends with a lot of them, but I'm sure I think of a lot of them were wildly jealous that we got selected because it's a great opportunity. And so we worked on that for a few months, then the job didn't happen, but then, uh, and then I worked on the Commonwealth games for a little period of time. And then I went back to Basmark on Australia 
so they called us back and they said, we're doing a different film now. It's been a year. Um, do you want to come back and do this? And I, we were just like, absolutely. I was in Melbourne and I'd gone back, I think in that period of time. And I flew up, they literally said, okay, it was like a Friday. I said, you start on Monday. And I was like, I'm just going to get rid of the rest of my life and I'm going to come <laughs> to Sydney. And it was two years. So we did two years on that film, like from pre-production all the way through, which I don't think many people do. I don't think they do that very often anymore. And it was, I, I think I remember when I finished that job after two years, people were like, you know, it's not normally like this. You don't normally do two years on a film like. It's a long time. It's really it? long. You know, normal film is three to six months, mm. I guess, if you work on it. Um, even even if you're doing some pre-production and shooting. But it was, yeah, I didn't even do the shoot. I finished a month after the sh- a shoot started. So two years was mostly pre-production, which is oh, wow. incredible. The most incredible tune. And I learned so much from that experience. Cause, That's school in itself. I mean, goodness. Yeah, I got paid to research for nine, the first nine months. And it was amazing. I would just be given a subject and they would say, go and find out what nurses wore in, in Darwin in 1940. You've got a week to look into it and then have a meeting with CM and sit down and just brief her on what you found out and show all the images. And that was my job. And I still think about it now. And I'm like, that. that's, yeah, what a ridiculously amazing job. Is that a testament to how, how he works and how his company works and kind of making sure that the detail is there? Definitely. I think, you know, design, as everyone probably is aware, is really important to them, mm. to Baz and CM. So there's no stone unturned when it comes to design. And it's a great... It was a great kind of, yeah, as you said, added education after NIDA. They both went to NIDA, so they had that training. So I think they worked that way. So it felt very familiar to me and other people who worked with them because they're, yeah, they want to know everything about everything and they want all that information visually and and, and stories told to them. I, I mean, I was on the phone to, I would call like old drovers on the phone who were 80 years old, who were retired in the middle of nowhere and ask them what they wore and explain mm-hmm. the colors they wore because you're looking at black and white photos. I was like, I don't know what yeah. color that is. And they would tell you the texture and they would take photos of their stuff and send it to you. That's yeah. So it was amazing. And it is a testament to kind of the level of detail that they work at and they deserve you know, the success that they get. What film was that? That was Australia. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So wow. it was, yeah, oh, it, I know it was ridiculous. We worked, I mean, Nicole wore Ferragamo's shoes for that entire film. So we got to work, you know, by email with Ferragamo and with their team. Yeah. And I just, I don't think I fully appreciated also as a student, you know, a year or two out of university, 2006, I was like, we're designing things and we're coming up with ideas with CM and her team. We're, and then we're, and then we're emailing, you know, packs to Ferragamo and then shoes are arriving. Like yeah. that's, that that's <laughs> insane. Like they were pulling old blocks out of their archive to make shoes for us, like based on their 1940s wow. blocks. So. It's, yeah, it's pretty wild if I think actually think about it now. I didn't really fully appreciate the time. Mm. I was like, this is fun. This is fun. We're doing shoes. Well, I guess did it give you false expectations of what the industry might be like working in Australia? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why am I working with Ferragamo <laughs> on every film? Yes. I, yeah. I feel like I remember that's what I mean. Like when people, people who are more experienced and older than me, during that period, they were like, it's not normally like this. They were like doing, and I was like, sure, whatever. And then I think, you know, then my first, doing my first ABC TV series out, probably outside of that, I was like, oh, that's the budget. Okay, right. That's so um, where, where am I getting close from? Uh-huh. Um, but no, I did, and I did a mi- real mix of big productions and small ABC TV series, and you get the full gamut when mm. you do that. Like you do an ABC series with you and three other people in costume, and you do everything, and then you do a big film, you know, not just like Australia, but um, other f- big films I've worked on and you have a costume department of 60 or 
100 or 150 mm. people and everyone has a very specific task. So it's you, you kind of learn lots of different things, different ways. Amazing. That's so fun. Yeah. So I guess how did you end up pivoting then to go into design and books. book publishing? It's um, not a huge shift, but it's sizable, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's... And, and interestingly, I don't, it's, it's amazing to me to end up, and not amazing, I guess it kind of feels like, of course, I was going to end up in design, but I didn't start in design and publishing either. No, right. So I, I think... You're not even traditional graphic design necessarily. Like it's no, my background isn't traditional graphic design, no. so I, 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 don't, I, I don't think I feel like a fraud as much anymore, but I definitely feel like a fraud for a long time there. It just because you, when you're dealing with people who are, and even when I've talked you know, at certain events with graphic designers, graphic designers who know everything about, you know, fonts and, well, I mean, I feel like I know a lot more now, but I remember in the early days, if you're talking to people who have so much experience and they've been doing graphic design for 20 years and they have that experience, I was like, I'm just coming with my aesthetic, mm. but you have all that learned knowledge. I'm not a graphic designer by any means. But the aesthetic is so important because that's yeah. the thing. It's hard to find a, a designer and has a great aesthetic and skills, you know? Yes, so. it's true. It's very, <laughs> it's very <yeah>. important. <laughs> um, so I, I think the pivot happened by, I love working in film. I love working in film. I have, I did go back in 2016 for one job because I couldn't resist the opportunity that it, of what it was. So I took a break from publishing, but I, I, uh, I just think I, the lifestyle, I kind of, you know, film is, it's really labor intensive and you do, 10, 12, 14 hour days, six days a week. Mm. It was really fun in my twenties. And I was like, I loved the hustle of it, even though I was exhausted. But I think it, once I started, you know, whether it's about romantic relationships or family or friends, and you're just like, I don't get to see people anymore. I'm always in Brisbane or on the Gold Coast or Melbourne or Sydney. I'm never in one place long enough to be in anyone's life. I, f I felt like I was missing out on, on that, on relationships and, and, and people's, you know, milestones in life. So I, was like, what else can I do? What else am I interested in, and that I can apply my skills and my and my you know creativity to. And so I, you know, I thought you know you do that thing where you just like think for a while and just stare mm -hmm. at a wall. And books is always I've always you know I love movies and TV and I've always loved books. I was a book kid. I think people who work in publishing most often are people who have always loved books and yeah. the power of books and what it does for you and you know makes creates empathy and makes you feel less stressed and as a kid I think that they did it did all of that for me I was the kid who read under their covers with a torch like tucked under my head or under the pillow would get told off by my parents because they would open the door and see the light you know under the door <laughs> you, you think and, and just be like so overheated but just like under the door <laughs> reading so it could be worse things <laughs> yeah, yeah they're definitely yeah this is before teenage years yeah there we go. uh but I so yeah, books was my, I kind of was like, maybe publishing. I know nothing about publishing. I'm going to talk to people who know about publishing. So talk to a lot of people who did jobs like editors, uh, you know, or in marketing, just friends of friends, ask people, went to university course, open days. And then I uh, decided, I was like, I think I need to study because I need to know the basics. I need to know how you put a book together. I need to know how to edit something. I need to know just everything. I, otherwise I have no and I don't know how to get into it. It's it's a very small industry and it is quite, even when you're in it, everyone always says it's really hard to kind of work out how you get into publishing because there's not that many jobs and people stay in those jobs for a really long time. Mm. So I did my course at RMIT. I did a publishing and editing degree. And then when I came out, I interned at a magazine called, I got an internship at a magazine called Dumbo Feather in Melbourne, yeah. which used to be in Sydney. Um, and I worked 
there were some really amazing people who taught me a lot and then they gave me a job and they gave me a job after a few months and I did that for a short period of time and then um, and then my first job at a publishing house came up and it was in marketing, as I said, so it wasn't design. Um, but I leapt at the chance to just get in. It was just like, I need to get in there. I don't mm. know. I have no idea what's in there. What in the, and, I, and the woman that I interviewed with was so warm and friendly and she her family worked in film so that was the key is that she she said she said you're potentially too experienced to do this job which is always the worst thing you can hear when you go for a job yeah and and because you know you don't know where to go with that you're Mm. like how do I get less experienced like I don't know I just need an opportunity and that's the thing you're like I just need an opportunity she took a she took a you know risk on me because she said well you've you've worked in other industries and you've done really amazing things this won't be that exciting for you this role is pretty junior but her family worked in film and she's like, I'm going to take a, a risk on you because I know how hard people in film work. And she yeah, said, I remember yeah, she said yeah. that to me and it stuck with me. She's like, you, I know you'll work really hard. Mm. And, and she was right. I do. And I apply myself fully to anything that I'm working on. And um, so I really, I do owe kind of, you know, my entry into publishing to her to take for taking that risk. Where do you think that comes from though? In not many people can do that. You've established or kind of, mostly establish yourself in one industry and then make this jump and learn more and kind of take on something completely new. Were you always like that and kind of wanting to try something new and kind yeah, of, you, you know? <laughs> yeah, if you talk to my partner or friends or hmm. family, everyone's like, you are, you're very restless and you're really impatient. <laughs> restless restless is the word. Yeah, impatient good. is the mean way to say it, like <laughs> stop being so impatient. Rest, I, I guess I do get restless and I know my period of time now is like, three years in something and if it's the same doesn't matter what it is i'm like mm. oh i hear you yeah 100 yeah. yeah. like yeah. it's that thing of you just have so much creativity in you i think and it's like you want to use the different tools that are out there to kind of have fun with it yeah and know? i guess I, I mean i often think maybe you know creative people definitely probably get more restless and more bored you know than than maybe non-creative people but uh, uh and I think it's because you have a million ideas in your head. Yes, and I've yeah. always been that person, even as a kid. Like when you have a million ideas and you want to do all of them, I mean, it's it's not great sometimes because you feel so hyped up all the time. But it, it it's great when in a work capacity because you feel excited and surprised and, and you always feel positive about things because you can always see a solution to something because there's just like you can always find ways around mm. problems. So, yeah, awesome. I think I was always that way. So you you worked your way up in book publishing over the years. You were, I think, my design director for the third book at Hardy Grant. At Hardy Grant, yeah, yeah, yeah we did we work together. Yeah. Full disclosure, <laughs> Full disclosure. <laughs> we worked together. Was, I think it was the, the second two books. It was, it was the first. Yeah, it was the first, second two. We didn't work on the first one. Okay. I wasn't in that role on the first one, and then Women in This Town, and then the other, the next Alone one after that. Yeah. yeah, and then you eventually. Were you in Melbourne at the time? You were. Yep. Yeah. So yep. what made you kind of come over to Sydney and try publishing, book publishing? The there? job at HarperCollins really, oh, it came up um, and through a friend who was doing the role and, and um, through the kind of book design network of, which is really strong and really tight in Australia, um, which we're really fortunate to have. Um, she kind of reached out to me and then the company reached out to me and yeah, I, 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 I don't think you can technically say they poached me, but it was, it was the opportunity was kind of presented and they said, we'd really like you to apply for this role. Um, and I did then, you know, after multiple rounds of interviews and then getting the role, we decided to move to Sydney. Um, 
Yeah, I think I, I wasn't done at Hardy Grand and that I think I would have stayed there longer had this not come up. It wasn't that I was wanting to get out. It was just this opportunity was – it was just to, to, to work in a different type of publishing. Harper is a very different publisher from Hardy Grant. And also they have a design team. And I mm. think it was – I was really excited. A team? That's kind of rare. <laughs> I, know, I know. Exactly. I mean, I had one I had one friend who worked with me at Hardy Grant Design. We were like a team of two. But to come into a team of – I think at that time it was seven. Now we're nine. So to, to come into a team and – to work with other designers, I was, as a studio, I was really excited. I was like, this is amazing. Like this doesn't happen in publishing especially. Mm. And, and so that, I mean, that was the most nerve wracking thing to inherit a team, but also to also work with them. And, you know, and a lot of them I was actually quite nervous about because they're amazing designers and do things that I could never do. Mm. So I didn't want to, I felt it was like, I don't want to manage people that are more talented than me. I don't know how to help them, but, um, know that it's been a great experience it almost seems like you you thrive in the idea of this community and working with other people in even being with the um, australian book designers association for a while and do you enjoy kind of having that sense of community yeah i definitely i think it's i like collaborating i'm Mm -hmm. a collaborative person i like and that's about problem solving it's about design i like i think i worked out a while ago that i my it's that thing where i was like i can design I don't profess to be the world's best designer. I can design and I don't think I'm too bad at it, but there are infinitely more talented people than me. But my skill, and I, I think you only work out these sorts of things by what people tell you. So it's mm-hmm. that thing where you don't really know what your, what your maybe your, you know, your special power is or what your skill is until someone goes, oh, do you know you're actually quite good at that? Whether it's writing a really nice email to someone, which... Mm-hmm actually is this real skill in its own of being able to write something to someone where you're like, this is not right, but maybe this. And then in a way which is not offensive to them right. where you can consider how they're going to take what I'm saying. So I think it's a, I think I, what I love doing is getting, is getting people the best work out of people, whether it's freelancers or it's people in my team. I love sort of enabling them and empowering them and giving them the space and the time to do their best work because the result of doing that is so amazing. If you give people that, and you and you sort of go take the time, I, you know, and and they feel like you believe in them, and then you support them to do that. So that's been that's something that I enjoy doing, and I love doing. And then um, I think you're right, the sense of community, if it's to do with Abda as well, and that bigger picture scale of book design in Australia, I feel really passionate about it, and I like and, and about championing good ideas and and book designers and making sure they get paid and they get paid right, and that you know whether it's about wages going up or it's about championing diversity and book design and in publishing which you know is something that is really in the spotlight right now and on the cusp of changing um all that sort of stuff i'm really Mm -hmm. you know and about especially in diversity inclusion getting indigenous people into book design which i don't think is you know hasn't really been a thing but it's something that we really need to be addressing so i i do feel really i get really excited and worked up about the social and ethical aspects of design Mm -hmm. even not being maybe on the committee of ABDA anymore, but I think you can still do that, you know, in whatever way, in whatever role you're in. Absolutely. Well, I think you kind of wanting to kind of see these changes. You've gone into a new role as a publisher now at, um, at HarperCollins. Is that something that you kind of ever envisioned? I mean, 
no. now kind of hearing from your past, <laughs> no. you've kind of had all these different roles. It seems natural progression. <laughs> yeah, but. look, yeah. And if you, it's funny, like seeing people I've worked with at Heidi Grant and other publishers at HarperCollins and other, even other people from my past, they're like, this is real, feels really natural. And, mm. and also just like, of course, this would be the next step for you. It's just, I don't think I ever thought when I did my publishing degree, I'd, oh, I'm going to be a publisher in nine years because it's so hard to make that happen, especially at like a big house. Um, those, Massive, ro- yeah. those roles don't come up and come up very often in house. Um, and normally, and it's not a natural trajectory for a designer to become a publisher. Mm. I, I mean, I, I'm sure there are others. There, I can't think of any in Australia. It's 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 normal, and so that's why I th- I never really had it. I never thought it would probably happen, or not at least anytime soon, because I thought because I didn't think that, um, not that people believe in design that much in publishing, or that, but that they support it, or they think that you have the business now to do it. Because mm. I think they think designers aren't interested in business and money and budgets and and probably they're right yeah i mean in a lot of (laughs) ways it's like you have your creatives and that's why some creatives don't succeed because they don't know how to handle the business side of it and it's like you need that if you're special you're a unicorn if you have the two minds my yeah the ceo (laughs) jim at papa collins now who actually who's obviously made this happen and i feel incredibly indebted to and really lucky that he has he is enabling this imprint and for me to become a publisher and as he said to let a designer be a publisher. He did say to me a while ago, he said, you're not a normal designer. He said, there's a difference. He Mm -hmm. said, most designers or art directors probably aren't interested and they don't want to have to do with that. But he said, but he said, I've not known you for very long, but I can tell that that's not how your brain works. Your brain is quite business savvy, but you can also do that art directing thing, the creative side. So yeah, maybe I think I've always, I mean, I remember when I was in marketing, even at Heidi Grant, and I got really excited about like metadata and <laughs> Google AdWords and like yeah. running reports. I mean, I don't think many designers like doing that. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that was a sign. I don't know. Mind you, a weird thing that I like doing is my own taxes. <laughs> so it's, I don't know there why. I can't explain it. I hate math. I hate all that. But the organization of it. And of all the receipts. And, and yeah. designing yeah. it in okay. a certain yeah. way. It's the design. There's something <laughs> about it that I just... I can't give enough of. Okay, so <laughs> see, it's not it's it's, it's, it's not yeah. as uh, rare as you think. <laughs> yeah. So, out of work, what is your kind of day to day life like? Like, wh- what do you like to do on your own time? Yeah, I was like, what's life out of work? Out of work, yeah, <laughs> no, I know. no, I do. I do actually try not to work too much on weekends or after hours if I can help it. Uh, I really like to cook. I like cooking. I'm really into food. I like going and eating at restaurants. I just like my day is guided by food. I'm someone that's like, I'll eat breakfast and then I'm like, what am I having for lunch? Like mm. straight away. Like I, so I, I'm guided by meals. I love eating. Um, I do try to read, uh, you know, normally before bed, I do try to read once a day, just not just cause there are so many things I feel like I should be reading, but it, it calms me. So I do it at the end of the day. Mm. I mean, I watch a ton of TV as everyone does yeah, and everyone has over the last you know few <laughs> years. Um, I do like to go to galleries um, and I like to, yeah. So I like cooking for people and I like going to people's houses for dinner. I feel like that's a very Melbourne thing. I don't know if it's a very Sydney thing, but I like dinner parties. I just, mm. yeah, I get a Bring lot of dinner enjoy- parties for Melbourne. Yeah. 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 I don't think I fully embraced the Sydney life and maybe it's cause I don't live near the water. I don't think I've embraced the Sydney life of, of enjoying the harbor as much as I should. And mm. I probably should do that. And I think it's cause we have a dog and there are certain places you can't take a dog and he's also old and really clumsy. So mm. <laughs> limits where he can go. But 
uh, yeah, I, so I don't think we fully embraced the outdoor Sydney life and that's something that I do want to do more of. Um, so hopefully that's on the cards. Amazing. And a final question. What's it like to be you right now? What's your, where's your mind set at? Good, bad, could be whatever. <laughs> it's an interesting question, isn't it? In 2021 with what we're going through, I mean, yeah. I think we're lucky in Australia. And so I feel positive about that. Who knows what's going to happen, but I feel, I think generally positive. I mean, we all probably had our down points last year and I certainly did due to a number of things, but I think I feel hopeful from a creative point of view for myself, but also just um, in general that, you know, also when it comes to publishing, like people are reading again, Mm. people are, book sales are up, you know, 10 to 15% in this last year compared with previous years that never happens. Then normally it's only like flat or it's up and down. So, you know, publishers are losing their minds because they're like, oh my God, people are reading and we've got eyeballs on books. How do we keep those eyeballs Mm. on books? So I feel lucky to be in publishing at this point in time in something that has not happened for like 20 years, this sort of resurgence and embracing of reading again for the, for the benefits that it provides you in your life. So, um, I think to be a publisher going into that is, is it, if I th- really think about stop and think about that, that's like a really exciting place to be um, in 2021. So hopefully um, that leads to some success. <laughs> yeah. I think it will. I, I see it as well. It's, it's an, a new coming of books, I think. And it's, yeah. you know, it has to do with the, the creativity that's coming from them, you know, and kind of yeah. rethinking the way things should be done and what type of content is kind of being produced in books. I think, you know, and just to, you know, add to that there's you know we've always in in recent times when books as objects has become a thing in the last 10 years Mm. your books you know beautiful gifty illustrated or photographic books have always been that kind of object thing and that's become a thing so we've got that happening and that's an area that you know i will be publishing into but then we i think books have replaced so many things in terms of you know there's not as many magazines there's not as many of those newspaper newspaper associated magazines with that long form journalism Mm. that people you know, where you're not reading in snippets as you are in newspapers or online. And with that gap, you know, books have kind of filled that gap where they are edited, reliable, you know, people who check their sources. So they fill that long form journalism thing in nonfiction. And so you've got that sort of thing. And then you've got just purely entertainment and enjoyment and and empathy, which comes from reading fiction. So Mm. I think with all of those things, it's sort of clear to see why books across the board are doing really well for, you know, the reasons we've just mentioned. Awesome. Well, and then that positive high note. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in, Mark. I appreciate it. It was fun. Thanks awesome. for having me. Thanks. Good questions. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Men in This Town, the podcast, produced by Mitwork and recorded at Pocket Studio in Sydney. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate and leave a review wherever you're listening. And as always, thanks for your support.